from the Salvation Army National Headquarters, this is the Fight for Good podcast. Hi, and welcome to the Fight for Good podcast. I am your host, Major Jamie Satterley. And if you've been listening to us for a while, you might be saying, host, Major Jamie Satterley, what is happening here? You are in the right place. Thank you for joining us. Uh, I am the new uh, Director of Publications for the Salvation Army's National Headquarters. That was effective on July 1st. So our previous host, Lieutenant Colonel Tim Foley, has gone back to his home territory in the West to serve along with his wife as divisional leaders. And so we are certainly super thankful for their dedication and their service and all all of their contribution to, to the Salvation Army at the national level. But he, as he has gone back, he has passed the baton on to me, uh, and so I'm excited to be here with you today. In today's podcast, we're going to be sharing an interview from our with our national leaders, Commissioners Kenneth and Jolene Hodder, uh, and the interview was done by Jeff McDonald and our uh, National Community Relations and Development Secretary, Dale Bannon. And so they, they met with him and talked uh, all about leadership and what they've learned over this past year as they've been leading the Salvation Army on a national level. So listeners, I would encourage you just to stay stay tuned. You're not going to want to miss this. There's so many good things, and it's a great opportunity for us to, to hear, again, the heart and the vision of our national leaders, Commissioners Kenneth and Jolene Hodder. What a difference a year makes, because we interviewed with you a year ago upon your appointments as national leaders. And here it's been a year of incredible opportunity, challenge, change. So we're happy to have the chance to discuss that with you. Well, thanks so much. We recall that conversation with great fondness, Jeff. So it's great to be back with you. After a year, it's been quite a year. What are are your reflections, uh, Commissioners Hodder? about living in the nation's capital, about this appointment. It's been, uh, some have called it a long year. You've been through the pandemic, but what a great opportunity for the Salvation Army as well. Why don't you reflect a little bit about this year? Well, it's wonderful living in the nation's capital, although we haven't seen much because of the pandemic. Um, I think one thing that has surprised me the most, perhaps, is how many uh, museums there are. I had absolutely no idea. And they're all free, by the way. They're all free. (laughs) So So I'm just, I can't wait for them to open and for my husband and I to stay home long enough to be able to see them. And um, as far as national headquarters is concerned, you know, I've I've always realized that uh, national headquarters represents the nation, but I had no idea how many committees run out of this building. I was trying to count them and I the last count was 45. And I realized that all the stakeholders of the Salvation Army are represented in those committees. Everybody from around the nation has a voice. And that just makes me very proud to be a part of NHQ. Mm, absolutely. And I would agree with my wife with respect to the uh, wonders of this area. We have thoroughly enjoyed the seasons that we've seen so far. The cherry blossoms this year was something that we had never experienced before. Absolutely magnificent. So the natural beauty of Virginia, the magnificence of the monuments that dot the area have been a source of great thrill and inspiration to us. 
And I would also echo what my wife has said with respect to uh, the activity of national headquarters. Not only do we have 40 or 45 different committees working out of this building, but the capability that the Salvation Army has to impact what is happening nationally, across the states, in local communities, and indeed around the world, in many ways comes to a head here at national headquarters because the energy of the nation comes together here, the outreach of this nation to other parts of the world proceeds from it. It is a hub of activity. And we have found it a source of uh, delight uh, and uh, occasional exhaustion uh, <laughs> to be a part of, of that hub of activity. Yeah, you're on the go, that's for sure. We're on the go. We've never stopped this past year, Jeff. The, the pandemic notwithstanding, uh, we the Army has never stopped. And certainly we've never stopped at NHQ. You know, you've, this has been a challenging time for the Army and the country as well as the world over these past 18 months during the pandemic. Uh, with you becoming our national commanders in July of last year, what's impressed you most about the Salvation Army and how they've responded to the pandemic? Can I start? Oh, absolutely. The creativity. It absolutely amazes me. You know, this pandemic has hit everybody within the Salvation Army, all of our volunteers, our um, national advisory board, our advisory boards. The pandemic has come into our own homes. And yet... Everyone has found a ministry. I think of the, you know, the young moms who have to stay at home and homeschool. And then they're also packing up Sunday school lessons and delivering them to the neighborhood kids or baking and delivering it to the hospital. Um, everybody has just gotten involved one way or the other. I think the, the story that tickles me the most is the young boys, the young, uh, Corps cadets that put on costumes, uh, guerrilla costumes and various costumes and walk through the community with a big sign that says, remember, God loves you. And, uh, you know, all those that are in lockdown coming to the window and taking pictures. And you just know that they're going back in the house and calling their friends to tell them what they what they've seen. So everybody has found a way to reach out to others in need. And that just makes me incredibly proud to be a part of the Salvation Army. Oh, absolutely. You know, the Army has thrived in this past year. The Army never stopped, much like National Headquarters. Did we have to shift gears? Of course. But the Army at its best does not do specific things. The Army at its best innovates and evolves and adapts. The Salvation Army was the first organization to use film many, many years ago before Hollywood ever caught on. Uh, the Salvation Army was using film to promote its work. Uh, the Salvation Army has been a leader uh, in the utilization of the automobile. Uh, the Salvation Army has always been at the forefront. And in the midst of COVID, that part of our DNA came to the surface. Uh, the way in which uh, the Army was able to quickly move into new areas of service, suspend activities that had previously been taking place, uh, was wonderful to see. That's because we are organized in a, in a semi-centralized fashion. We didn't have to com convene committees or commissions. We simply said, go do what you do best. And people did. Our volunteers did, our officers did, 
our employees did, and the result was an impact on the country far beyond that, that I think anyone ever anticipated when we first entered this pandemic a year ago. We've touched more lives and we have had a larger impact on America than I think anyone ever imagined would take place. And that's, I think, one of the beautiful things that has emerged about the Army in the past year. It's fantastic just to think about we're the nation's largest social service ministry as well, meeting human needs in his name without discrimination every day. There've been some new people who've needed to reach out to the Salvation Army during this pandemic. Uh, Tell us about that. Absolutely. Think about it. The Salvation Army's relationship with the American public found its origins in World War I, when the Salvation Army served donuts to the doughboys. And they weren't just people at the edges of society. That was American society. Doughboys from every walk of life, every community across the country. The army touched them. And that generation did not forget the Salvation Army. So for decades after that, the Salvation Army was a part of American society. Well, this pandemic has been another such moment. People who had never been to the Salvation Army before were in their cars lining up for food. People who had given to the Salvation Army at the Christmas kettle were coming for help to get toys for their children at Christmas. I'm convinced, therefore, that the Lord is going to use this not only to touch their lives, but to allow the Army to touch other lives for generations to come. Uh, it, It is a Uh, uh, it's a watershed moment for the future of the Salvation Army. The church has left the building. The church has left the building. And we have the t-shirt. And we have (laughs) t-shirts to prove it. (laughs) When you think of those mile-long drive-through pantries, deliveries to senior citizens of food boxes, meeting the need at the point of need, it just really, um, I'm sure at the national level, just brings us joy that hope is greater than fear. Absolutely right. I got to tell you, one of my favorite memories, we were at one of the uh, stadiums and we were serving food or serving, you know, giving, putting big boxes into everybody's car. And all of a sudden, this music started playing out of the blue, very loud. Everybody stopped, all of the workers, the volunteers from all the churches and everyone. We went into the street and we all danced. But what thrilled me the most was when the policemen who were there, who were, you know, directing traffic, started dancing with us. And there was one big line dance and they were really enjoying themselves. And the pictures of just people coming together from all churches. We had the LDS church. We had service service clubs. Everybody was there and the policemen and we were all dancing together. And that's, to me, that's what the family of God is all about. That's what community is all about. That we all just came together to do what needed to be done and celebrate that partnership. And they came together because they respected the work of the Salvation Army. The Salvation Army said, we're going to do this. We need your help. They joined right in. That is such a precious thing to have that sort of ability to 
to, to marshal resources and to apply it to the community, regardless of your background or experience, uh, I tell you, it makes us proud to be Salvationists. In the war cry, we had the privilege of you know, drilling down to so many communities across the country mm-hmm. to find out what they were, have been doing to provide COVID relief, whether it's you know, Bloomington, Indiana, or Chico, or uh, Minneapolis. Uh, we interviewed a lieutenant from Minneapolis mm-hmm. During the upheaval there, the social upheaval that has occurred, she talked about how her core brought together so many different ethnic groups and nationalities and backgrounds in a unified service approach yes. to ministry. Yes. So those stories are just so amazing. It's hard to quantify that. Now, last year, there was much trepidation going into this COVID period. Right. There was much fear about how, uh, you know, what what will be the outcome? And apparently the Army has come through, thanks to those officers on the front lines, so well. Absolutely. Now, it can't be all. There, there are still challenges, I'm sure. What do you see as the challenges facing the Army going forward? The Salvation Army is going to face a number of opportunities. You know, the old idea yes. that a challenge Every is challenge also, is an opportunity. Every right. challenge is an opportunity. We have a number of opportunities first. I think it's important to keep in mind that we have the opportunity to make organizational and structural changes that are going to make us even more efficient in the days to come. Uh, The ability to use Zoom, the ability to use uh, data pools, uh, the abilities technologically that have taken enormous leaps forward in the past year have suggested to the Army at every level that we can make structural changes so is to increase our impact at the local level, reduce overhead even beyond where the Salvation Army uh, uh, is able as a good steward today to say that it is. So I think, I think that's number one, the, 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 the structure, the capacity of the Salvation Army, I think has the potential for increasing dramatically. The other thing that I think is really an opportunity for us is to communicate once again something that you mentioned a moment ago, Jeff, which is the Salvation Army brings together everyone. The Army is already in every zip code. The Salvation Army already reflects the communities that we serve when you talk about the local level. So we need, at this moment in time, when there is so much attention to meeting the needs of marginalized and disproportionately impacted groups across the country. That the army is there, that that is the Salvation Army, that we are serving those communities uh, because I think people want to know. They want to know, are you sending in a team to do something or are you already there? We've always done that with disaster. But it's also true with respect to day-to-day activity. The Army is already there, and that's a great strength. I think one of our challenges is to continue to get the word out that we are there for anyone who has a need. You know, if there's even just one person who doesn't come to the Salvation Army because uh, they don't feel comfortable coming to us, they don't know what we do, they think they'll be judged. If there's even one person out there like that who doesn't get their needs met, we failed. So we just need to continue to get that word out that we're here. We're here for everybody. Didn't you refer to the new people the Army is serving now 
as a result of the, of the pandemic? Yes, there have been, uh, as commissioners know, um, several people who have been served for the first time, mainly because um, they're living paycheck to paycheck. Millions of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. And when that income just is gone due to the pandemic, and that leads us into, I think, a good question, Commissioner, because we're now hearing you often say, pay attention to pandemic poverty. Absolutely. Tell us what that's about. Absolutely. And, and what is, what's our focus uh, to help people who are impacted uh, financially due to the pandemic? Let's look a little bit back at recent history. During the Great Recession, beginning about 2008, 2009, we saw significant drops in household wealth. We saw significant drops in the stock market. It was a difficult time. But in terms of people coming to the Salvation Army for assistance, we did not see the largest numbers until 2010 to 2013. In other words, that the, dislo the dislocations of that Great Recession caused an ongoing challenge for millions across the country. I'm convinced that the same is gonna start happening now. Since last year, eight million people have fallen into poverty. Since last year, there's been enormous disruption in the employment picture for millions. Since last year, millions of households have had forbearance with respect to their rent payments or their mortgage payments. That's not going to last forever. In other words, there are going to be many, many people who are going to have to make a decision for months from now about whether or not they're gonna pay the light bill or they're gonna get food, whether they're gonna pay their rent or they're going to be able to buy clothes for the children. The Salvation Army is going to be better positioned to address what we are therefore calling pandemic poverty over the course of the past few years as a result of what we've learned. So what we're trying to do now is we're trying to make this clear, not only to our people internally, but to the American public. Because what's going to need to happen is, is that in addition to all of the government initiatives, in addition to all the institutional uh, initiatives, individual Americans can make a difference for their neighbors with small, regular contributions to the work of the Salvation Army. Because those small, regular contributions taken collectively will allow all of these families, they're gonna face pandemic poverty for several years to come, the ability to make the choices that will keep them in their homes, keep their families together, help them avoid isolation and, and depression and addiction. And if we don't do it, I think we can anticipate those things becoming even more a feature for American life. And we wanna work against that ever happening. That's interesting. Um... Yeah, there's a mental health aspect to this as well. And um, there's also an opportunity for the gospel to reach more people than ever. Mm -hmm. um, in the June war cry, I can't help but give a plug to the war cry, sorry. <laughs> the, we, are, we do have an interview about people facing uh, post-traumatic stress syndrome yes. and how much of a reality that will be in the, in the months to come and well, even years. Absolutely, there's an anxiety pandemic that's uh, go that's down the line. Mm -hmm. I agree with you 100%. Yeah. Commissioner Jolene, I'm, I'm curious, you've been on the field, you've been on the front lines. Yeah. Uh, talk to us about the receptivity for people who are in need when, when a Salvation Army officer has said, would you like us to pray with you? What have you found? 
I would say the majority of the time, yes. I am very sensitive that I always ask if, if I can pray. And maybe there's only been maybe two or three times when somebody didn't feel comfortable. And so obviously we backed, backed off. But I would say for the most part, um, they're overwhelmed by the offer of prayer. And I do think that now is the time that we can um, introduce people to a Christ who is their hope. And uh, it's a great opportunity. Could you just help us refresh our minds about what the role of national headquarters is in relation to the U.S. territories? Sure. Uh, national headquarters serves both a support and a leadership function. National headquarters will support the work of the territories because it is in those territories that the work at the ground level takes place. So everything that we want to do here is directed toward getting resources to the front line, whether that is in terms of fundraising or messaging. What we produce here is designed to strengthen that local core or shelter in terms of achieving the fundamental goals of the Salvation Army. At the same time, National Headquarters serves a leadership function. Because of the impact that the Salvation Army has across the country, others want to know about it. Others want to work with us. The federal government is eager to find out what we are learning about what's happening at the local level. So again, as we've said earlier, the National Headquarters of the Salvation Army is a hub of activity. It is a clearinghouse, if you will. And I believe that in the years to come, that will become even more the case. The opportunities for collaboration are increasing. The need for centralized and directed and focused communications is growing. Uh, the need for greater capacity at the local level is increasing. All of these things are going to make national headquarters critical in the years to come. I use the word partnership. I just think it's a beautiful partnership where sometimes the territories take the lead, sometimes we take the lead. And it really is, it is a beautiful dance um, when we just support one another. You are both avid readers. What recent books have you found influential for you personally and for the Army at large? The most recent book uh, would be Prayer is the Answer. It's a collection of 30 classic writings on prayer. It's a small book, but incredibly powerful, reminding us that, again, prayer is powerful, but that it's, it is accessible to everyone. And you don't have to be a saint. You know, Anybody can pray, and Christ is there. Mm. Uh, I think for me, and Dale knows exactly which book I'm going to mention at this point. Uh, there's a new book out by Dr. Robert Putnam and Shailen Romney Garrett called The Upswing which in its final chapter challenges us to believe that this is the moment at which we can begin to reconstruct and in a sense reimagine what American society is going to be. And it's not going to be reimagined because of technological reasons or economic reasons or political reasons. It's going to happen because of the need for a moral and a cultural shift. And I'm convinced that the Salvation Army is perfectly positioned to lead that effort. We have the trust of the American public. Uh, I believe we have the blessing of God. 
We have the personnel, the infrastructure, the experience, the geographic footprint. The Salvation Army, I think, uh, can have a powerful impact uh, in the days to come. Um, so with our Bible in one hand uh, and uh, a food box under our other arm, we're going to march into the future, and I think we're going to have a big impact. We're seeing a younger generation, one that we want to appeal to, obviously, mm -hmm. in our church, yeah. as well as come alongside us in the community. And I can't help but think of Echelon mm -hmm. and what that movement alongside our National Advisory Board is mean, has meant to local Salvation Armies. Can you both talk about your uh, what Echelon is, your experience with chapters uh, and, and even with our National Advisory Board? Uh, I, I have to, to just jump right in here and say, <laughs> I will never forget the dinner that I had in Detroit with Anil Kapoor, who is the new head of our Echelon Leadership Council nationally. He represents literally hundreds and hundreds of young professionals who are saying they want to be involved personally and intimately in helping meet the needs of others. The energy with which he spoke, the, uh, the vision he had for bringing thousands of young professionals to work with the Salvation Army was thrilling and inspiring to me. Echelon, uh, as a uh, development of our National Advisory Board, which is very capably led by, by uh, Mike Castling uh, today, uh, I think is going to play a key role to ensuring that the army is made known to a brand new generation. And uh, I can't wait to see what uh, Anil makes uh, possible as a result of all this. It's fantastic. It's, I think, 35 chapters now. They're growing. Yes. Isn't it great? And it's a great initiative. I think um, one of the challenges that we have as senior leadership is to listen to them. Um, they have fabulous ideas. There are times those ideas are a little frightening to us old folks. I, I'm not old. So well, seasoned is yeah, seasoned. That, that's a better seasoned. word. That's a better word. But I really do think that um, that we need to have a listening ear and listen more because um, they're the future. Yeah, they're they're doers. They want to get involved. They're passionate about a cause. And, um, you know, I, I had a, an experience of being with a chapter in Milwaukee and they took, um, there's a, a large shelter there yeah. uh, with the Salvation Army and they, they created in their dining room, a four star restaurant. Mm -hmm. They dressed in tuxedos and each echelon, they raised the money themselves and each echelon member served tables and treated individuals and families. Uh, gave them just this incredible night out where they could put their worries aside and uh, just serve. And I just remember uh, one gentleman saying to me, wow, I haven't had a steak like this in a very long time. And they just had, they just were able to see the grace yeah. uh, and the love and experience that. And so it's just a great initiative. So we uh, look forward to featuring Echelon and the War Cry uh, soon. Uh, just give a good update on that. But uh, we're excited about that initiative. Yeah, and you're exactly right. That generation wants to see good works done. That's what they're interested in. Not so much polemics and other things. They want to see substance, authenticity. 
So that's exciting that they're finding that in the Army. Absolutely. You know, we, we talk a lot about technology, and those things are really important. But I was just recently listening to some young, young officers, and they were telling me what they really want is relationship. Mm-hmm. And uh, it makes me it makes me think of of Echelon, and, and that's that's what they do. They they create uh, relationships not only amongst themselves but um, those that they're serving. It's interesting, you know, in the church today as well. We're losing young adults, mm-hmm. and as the national program secretary, do you have thoughts about um, how we reconnect, uh, keeping a teenager who's been involved in our core for so long? Uh, what do we need to do for our young adults to keep them connected to our core and within our churches? Well, again, you know, speaking to the youth, they want they want relationships, they want opportunities to serve, and not necessarily in the old traditional ways. They have ideas. They have ideas. We just need to open the door. So I'm really excited as as the new program secretary. Of course, I love women's ministries. I always have near and dear to my heart, but I'm, I'm excited to to broaden my ministry and to see what the Lord has for me to do. Um, I know He has a plan, and I just need to make sure that my plan matches His, and uh, great things are going to happen with, with the team that God has given us here at National Headquarters. If I may, uh, I know one of your things you're working on is actually a, a manuscript yes. for Crest Books uh, publication. Could you give us a, just a, like a foretaste of what that's about? Sure. I've always been mesmerized by the word grace. When I was a little girl, I wanted to be graceful like, you know, Cinderella. And I had the plastic pearls and the plastic heels. And and um, then, of course, when I got older, I traded in my plastic pearls for real pearls. And I wanted to be Grace Kelly, uh, Princess Di. Um, but it wasn't until that I discovered personally God's grace for me that I realized that I was looking in the wrong place. I still have my collection of, of etiquette books, quite a big collection, um, but it's not about that. It's about accepting God's grace for my life and then turning around and sharing that with others. So the book is really personal parables. They're earthly stories with heavenly meaning as I personally have attempted to make grace tangible in my life. You can't overemphasize grace, can you? You can't. And I don't think you'll ever truly understand it, but I'm going to get as close to it as I can. Praise God, we're products of grace. Amen. Amazing grace. Yes, indeed. Nothing like better than God's grace. My goodness. What an age we live in. Yes, indeed. For the expression of that grace. grace. Yes, And that much is needed. Oh, absolutely. You're talking about the cultural shift that this upswing book talks about and the moral shift. Yes. What does that entail? Yeah, well, well, think think about grace in that context, Jeff. If if you think about the fact that the world is desperate for understanding, the world is desperate for forgiveness, the world is desperate uh, to accept someone else. Uh, people are feeling lonely and isolated, and they're in despair. The grace of God transcends all of it. The grace of God can bathe every soul and and cleanse every heart. Nothing in this world can do that. No organization, no government, no other individual. Uh, We're all in need of God's grace. And when you discover that and your life is transformed, uh, nothing is ever the same again. And it's daily. 
God's grace is not just, you know, you get once in a while. It is daily. And all you need to do is open your eyes. It is all around us. Yeah, and, and you don't have to work for it. It's not as if you're doing uh, the hard work of earning God's grace. The work has been accomplished. Uh, the victory has already been won by Jesus Christ on the cross. By virtue of that sacrifice, God's love is extended without condition to those who accept him. That, that's why it's good news. It's not that it's good news because we've got a lot of work to do and let's work together. It's good news because it's already happened. And it's simply a matter of seeing it and recognizing it and saying, you know what? That good news is for me too. And it's not in short supply, it's abundant. Indeed. But it's up to us to live into that trans transformation, is it not? Yes. Oh, absolutely. Well, the wonderful thing is, is when you, when you taste God's grace, when you find the forgiveness that only comes from God, it whets your appetite for more. You want to be more like Christ. You want to be conformed to him. You want to live in a way that's going to glorify God. So it, it's not a matter of earning anything. It's a matter of saying, I love the Lord so much because he changed my life. Now I'm going to try to be more of an example to others about what it is to have a relationship with him. We've been to church on this podcast. Amen. It's great. Freely we've received now give grace as well, right? Uh, become Amen. a graceful people. Uh, we're sitting here just to shift gears a little bit. We're sitting here in national headquarters. And you mentioned we host 45 committees through as part of the commissioner's conference. Great ideas come all from the field, but we're excited because there've been some renovations in the building as well. And it's a, uh, an incredible transformation of our building, yes. uh, but there's a message behind this. And um, when you now come and visit national headquarters, which we encourage everyone in the field to do, you know, what do we want people to take away from the building and the changes that have been made through our renovations? Mm. Well, I, I just want to say my favorite is the chapel. What I love about it is very transparent. It's a mixture of tradition, traditional and modern, and yet all the windows are open so that anybody that drives by or walks by will see the Salvation Army worshiping. And that is who we are and what we are. And so that, that for me just sums it all up. In a way, it reflects the Salvation Army's tradition of the open air when we would stand on the corner. Oh, that's right. And, and play our instruments and proclaim the gospel. Well, guess what? We're on the corner uh, of that building and people can look in and see what the Salvation Army is doing. I think the, the part of the renovation that really excites me uh, is the lobby. Yesterday, we had a guest uh, come for lunch and it's really the first Time we've been able to host someone for lunch here for many months. And over lunch, he mentioned to me that he had no idea the Salvation Army was doing as much as it does. And what had brought that to his mind was all the pictures that are now in our lobby showing the various ways in which the Salvation Army serves. Those pictures give a sense of its scope, of its purpose, of its reason for being that I think 
it, it, when somebody sees it coming right in and they see all of that, I think it's powerful. I love it. And every floor tells a story. Every floor tells a story. And yeah. the pictures are just remarkable. And so I, I encourage anyone who comes to visit national headquarters, take some time on each floor. Each floor has a theme about our work internationally, our work in publications, our work uh, pro proclaiming the gospel of Christ. It really is remarkable. And it's been 30 years since we've years. done any renovation. That's of the exactly right. That's exactly right. We like to do it uh, on, on a 30 year cycle. <laughs> <laughs> we should point out quickly that we are in a, a new studio. That's right. With amazing technology available, which you are taking advantage of. Well, you, you, one thing we've learned in the past year, Jeff, you can never over communicate. You've just got to keep getting the messages out. And this studio, which has been made possible by a member of our National Advisory Board, uh, is one example of that. He came to us and he said, I need to make sure that the Army has the opportunity to reach people. So how can I help do that? We suggested this to him. He thought it was perfect. So here we are. Many may not know, uh, Commissioner Hodder, that... In your appointment as national commander, you are a direct voice to Congress, yes. our elected leaders, the executive branch, legislative branch. Talk to us about your outreach uh, to those leaders. You've met a lot of leaders since you've been here this past year. And any reflections you have on uh, sharing about the Salvation Army with those leaders? It's been humbling. Mm -hmm. Every member of Congress with whom I've had an opportunity to meet has spoken in glowing terms about their understanding of the Army. Because again, the Army comes from their constituency. Uh, the Salvation Army uh, is visible in their communities. So it's been humbling. Uh, I think it's also been very exciting because the expression that I have heard on many occasions is, uh, we need the Salvation Army. We, we, we want the Salvation Army to do more, uh, whether it is to uh, bring people together, whether it's to address homelessness, uh, whether it's to address food insecurity. There's a real desire for the Salvation Army to do even greater things in the days to come. So I've been very encouraged by all of the meetings that we've had. Uh, and I have to also say, as my wife referenced earlier, there's a real openness to prayer and to the spiritual dimensions of this whole issue. I have prayed with countless members of Congress, all of whom are seeking guidance and direction uh, from God. And so it's been a great privilege to have those, those meetings. Few times you've taken some elected leaders on Great Patrol and Ministry yeah. in Washington, D.C. Would you share a little bit about that experience, Commissioner Jolene? Sure. Sure. Well, it's wonderful to just to go myself and to be able to serve on the streets and, and to serve our own brothers and sisters. Um, and then to be able to take uh, guests with us to show them what the Army does on Great Patrol. You know, we we go out and serve the homeless every single night of the year. And we were, we're doing it for how many years it's about now? About 70 years, I believe. About 70 years. And the people know us. They're very respectful. You know, the first time I went during the pandemic after we arrived, I was absolutely amazed that all the homeless wore their masks 
And they all were very um, accommodating to us as we were serving them, very, very careful to protect us. You know, when we prayed, we st- they stood back from us. And uh, without fail, every time I go, I come back so incredibly blessed. I think they give me more back than what we give them. I would encourage anybody and everybody to go on Great Patrol. It's humbling with the backdrop of the nation's capital. Oh, yes. And oh, the Lincoln yes. Memorial and uh, just incredible things that we think of for Washington, D.C. That's exactly right. We were out with one senator at a collection of tents. And he gave some hot food to a man in one tent. And then he looked up and he said to me, oh, my goodness, there's my office. Hmm. Uh, that's a powerful moment. People don't forget that. So... Great opportunities. Tells us there's still a lot of work to do. A lot to do. It was that same night. It was so cold that people weren't coming out of their tents. It was just bitterly cold. And so we were going to the tents to, to serve soup. And But one woman crawled out from underneath her tent. I will never forget this woman. She had a tent, but she had constructed out of cardboard a fence that went all around her her little tent. She had constructed a gate. She had even whitewashed this cardboard gate and she had taped um, plastic flowers to this cardboard gate. And I found, I, I went to the, to the front, to the gate and, you know, I opened it and went in. She had a little table there with her Bible propped up and she welcomed me to her home. And when I said to her, oh, what a lovely home you've put together. And she pulled down her mask and put up her her hat. And she said to me, yes, God has been so good to me. And I asked if I could serve her and she said, yes. And then she said to me, would you allow me to help you serve the other tents? And I left that day feeling so blessed to have met her because she was just so grateful for God's wonderful gifts in her life. And those are the kind of people you meet on the streets. It's a blessing to serve. It is. It is. What a story. Thank you for sharing that. That's amazing. I mean, that's so much of what the Army is about is recovering that dignity Uh, of the human person, isn't it? Is that right? Absolutely. And recognizing it and what, you know, we need empathy and understanding in this age of polarity. You're absolutely right. We often say uh, we meet local need at the point of need. And these are challenging times for our core officers on a local level. Yeah. Uh, they've served incredibly. You know, what's your challenge to them in the days to come? If you were to talk to a young officer today, I know you would want to encourage them. And, but talk to them about the opportunity. Uh, what, what should they look forward to in this, in this Salvation Army? Mm. Well, you ask a lot of questions uh, as you phrase that. Uh, there are a lot of issues there. First, I would have to say thank you. Uh, what they have accomplished over the course of the past year uh, has been nothing short of extraordinary. They have represented not only the Army, they've represented the Lord in a million beautiful ways. I know, therefore, that many of them are exhausted. They're tired. Uh, it, there doesn't seem to be any let up. And certainly a pandemic poverty is a, a reality in this country in the next couple of years. It's not going to let up. So I think I would have to say 
The Lord is the source of constant strength and guidance. Mm -hmm. Every single day, renew your relationship with the Lord and all will be well. Mm -hmm. Great words. The Lord is faithful. The Lord is faithful and we love you. That's, that's such a profound message. Um, we have so many questions we can ask you. It's just a delight to speak with you. But I don't want to ignore the fact that you have introduced, Commissioner, a strategic plan and developed a framework called the five C's. What are the five C's about and how will they guide national headquarters? This grows out of what we discussed earlier with respect to the role of national headquarters. The five C's are strategic focus areas. What are the areas in which I believe uh, national headquarters can develop most effectively. The first has to be collaboration, both internally and externally. We've learned a lot about breaking down silos internally in the Salvation Army, like many organizations over the course of the past year. Uh, that should proceed. We should collaborate even more widely uh, in the communities in which we serve. In addition to collaboration, communication. We've got to do a lot more, and this podcast is one example of it, of intensifying, focusing our message so that every part of what we share, both internally and externally, is coordinated to maximize the impact of the gospel. Third, I think we always want to uh, work on clarifying who we are. I want people to know that the Army is a part of the universal Christian church, that we exist to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ and meet human needs in his name without discrimination. There is never discrimination at the Salvation Army. We have to make sure that people know that. Fourth, we need to make sure that there is uh, a constant sense of increasing our capacity, getting back to the stewardship issue that I talked about earlier. And finally, composition. The army at every level should reflect the people we serve. So those five C's brought together, I think will give us a lot to do in the years to come. Fantastic. Um, and most at national headquarters have those five C's memorized. I can there, there will be a quiz. Be yes. a quiz. <laughs> it's been a delight having uh, both of you as our guest on this Fight for Good podcast. Uh, we wish you every uh, blessing of God's. Um, and we're so grateful that you're here and grateful that you spent time today sharing with us. Uh, it's been a great privilege. Thank you. Yeah, we just would ask one more thing. What is God laying on your hearts in particular? At this moment, he's laying on my heart a desire to pray for you gentlemen, for this podcast, and for the people who are listening. Because I hope that this uh, time together has uh, served as a blessing to them. May I offer a word of prayer please, for please us? Please do. Let's do that. Loving Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the Fight for Good podcast and the way uh, it carries the message of Christ, a message of hope, and a message of possibilities to the world. I pray uh, in gratitude for Jeff and for Dale and for their team. I ask, Father, that you'll continue to bless them in this work. And Father, we join together uh, to ask that you'll continue to bless the work of the Army, making it faithful and making it powerful for you. Lord, most of all, we pray for everyone who's listening to this podcast 
I pray today that you will bless them, that you will touch them, that if there is any hurt, if there is any loneliness or despair, that they will, Father, turn to you. Contact their local Salvation Army where there's a hand and where there is a listening ear and when there, where there is an individual and an organization that cares. Father, we ask your blessing upon this work and upon our country, and I do so in Christ's name. Amen. That's going to end this episode of the Fight for Good podcast. Be sure to subscribe to Fight for Good wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to follow The War Cry and Pierre on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Until next time, this has been the Fight for Good podcast. Bye. Subscribe to Fight for Good wherever you listen to podcasts.